This is First Date Stories, the podcast, the show where women in their late 30s, 40s, 50s, and beyond talk all about the first dates they've been on. From the wildly successful to the completely disastrous and everything in between. Here's your host, Jody Klein, founder of FirstDateStories.com. Hello and welcome. We are back with season two. Thanks for tuning into this first episode. We've got a whole bunch of great new first date stories lined up for you. They'll be released on Thursdays, so make sure to check your podcast feed on Thursday. We're kicking things off this season with a story that's about drinking while dating, specifically drinking on a first date. Meeting for a drink is one of the most popular things to do on a first date, And why not? Bars are usually fun places to be, and you're also having a tasty cocktail or some wine, some beer. Plus, the alcohol may help you relax and get rid of whatever pesky jitters you might be feeling. My guest this episode is Maxine. She dealt with her nervousness by meeting whatever guy she was going on a first date with at a bar, having way too much to drink, and getting drunk. At the time, She didn't realize that this was a pattern, and she did not see that this pattern was leading her into chaotic, unhealthy relationships. Through her telling of her first date story with Brian, Maxine shares with us what it was like to date that way and how she came to realize that she needed to make a big life change. And now, here's Maxine's first date story. Hi, Maxine. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to have you here today to hear about a first date story that you are going to share with all of us. It's a it's an interesting one. Everybody who listens to first date stories knows that we each episode start out with the guest telling us a little bit about herself. I am a communications professor and a writer and I love my family. I love nature. I love to be around uh, people that I I care about. I've traveled quite a bit. I'm adventurous. And I think I'm a little bit atypical because I'm 43 and I I have not gotten married and had kids. I would love those things, but I haven't really prioritized that probably as much as a lot of different people. And, And I have no regrets These last 10 years, I've spent a lot of time understanding myself, looking inward, looking at my relationships, making changes in my life that I've wanted to change. And it's been a ton of growth. And I think that that growth, which has included uh, quitting drinking, changing careers. I used to be a television news reporter and anchor, and I segued into teaching to have a a looser schedule and be able to also have time to explore writing. And the growth that happened over the last 10 years has enabled me to be better in relationships and to get myself ready to make a commitment uh, long term to someone. So for me, that was really necessary because I grew up around a lot of divorce and I didn't want to make those same mistakes. That's not to say I think I'm perfect and that I'm going to have the greatest marriage of all times because who knows what's going to happen. But I know that I'm much better prepared because of this time that I've taken. And during that time there's been a lot of dates. <laughs> Sounds like you've done a lot of work on yourself mm-hmm. and that you're much more aware of who you are as a result. Yeah. And I think that's so important because I went into the relationships that I had 
in my 20s and early 30s, really wanting someone to make me happy, to fill that void. And it sounds like such a cliche, but it's so true. And I did feel more happy when I was in those relationships until I didn't because it didn't take too much time to realize that that wasn't going to make me happy, that the the work was going to be an inside job. And I did understand finally that not only was I choosing very crazy and chaotic relationships that uh, with people that I wasn't compatible with, but that, yeah, I, I needed to understand a lot about myself in order to be present with someone, to be intimate with someone. And I'm not talking about sex. I'm talking about just really sitting with someone face to face and being vulnerable and open and true with that person. I had no idea how to do that because, you know, I didn't have a lot of being taught that as a young person in my family of origin. So I had to learn a lot of that and I still have a lot to learn, but I'm a lot closer than I've ever been because of the time that I took to do that work. Well, bravo to you. Thank you. A few moments ago, you mentioned becoming sober. The date we're going to talk about, did it happen while you were still drinking or did it happen after you became sober? It happened before I stopped drinking and it is, it's a pattern of how I used to date, which was nervously and with a lot of alcohol to help me through it or so I thought. I'm eager to hear about the date. (laughs) Who did you go out on this date with? It was a guy who an acquaintance wanted to set me up with him. I didn't know too much about him. I saw a picture of him and he looked cute. I knew that he lived in the same area as me and he was a lawyer. And that's really all I knew. And so I was just open to meeting and seeing what happened. He lived close to me, so it didn't seem like much of a big deal. What was his name? His name was Brian and he had brown hair. And I should preface this also by saying that I was in the middle of a terrible breakup. Not in the middle. We had broken up, but we were still communicating a little bit. And I think that this added to the way that this date turned out because sometimes I feel that we go out with people who, you know, maybe are distracting us or we're trying to get through something And we think, well, this will help me get through it. I think that can help and happen. But for me, I was so distracted by the breakup that I probably wasn't in a headspace to go out with this guy anyway. This breakup with with someone who you'd been in a long-term relationship with? Yes. It was a great turning point for me because post that is when I did all the work on myself. Because after I finally got through it and got it out of me... I realized that something needed to change, and part of the work was recognizing the people that I picked, these very unavailable people, and realizing that that never really worked. And not only looking at that and wanting to make a change in who I was picking, but looking at myself and why I would pick somebody that wasn't really ready to be in a relationship and realizing that I too wasn't ready to be in a relationship. I had to realize that I was very commitment phobic myself and very afraid. All these fears around what if it didn't work out and intimacy and really being vulnerable with someone. So yes, it was a relationship that was over a year and it was just not good. We were not compatible. We fought a lot. It was not healthy in many, many ways. You realized you had a pattern. Yeah. And the guy that I was going out with on the date 
that I'm going to tell you about fit the pattern. So I, <laughs> I hadn't realized anything at this point. But the date's important because it mimicked so many dates. You know, it was the same kind of thing that I did over and over again. Your friend introduced you to Brian. Yeah. How did the two of you hook up? We ended up meeting at a wine bar. I know, go figure, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we talked over email a little bit, and then we met, and it was nice. I mean, he was a nice guy. He was interesting. We shared some laughs. I remember giggling and laughing with him and, t and talking very easily. The problem for me, and him too, because he was right there with me, so I don't, I can't tell his story, but... We were both obviously heavy drinkers because we were ordering glasses of wine. And I remember it got to a point after like four glasses each that I realized, of course, wow, we should have just gotten a bottle or two. Like, And, and thinking this bill is going to be so expensive. But yeah, we were just getting drunk at this wine bar and talking and laughing, getting drunker and drunker. And the, the thing that I've realized about these types of dates, which were the norm for me, is that... I wasn't really getting to know him. I mean, I don't even know what we were talking about. That's what I was going to ask you. What was going on as you were doing all this drinking? Getting to know each other, I guess. And then eventually, a couple hours in, we're making out at the bar. You know? <laughs> Which, sometimes that's fun. I'm not squashing making out at the bar. I'm not squashing having alcohol on dates. What I'm saying is, for myself, I didn't really gain anything by getting completely blasted on a date and realizing I'm not really getting to know the person and I'm looking back on it and seeing myself in that chair with him making out at the bar and I don't like the way that looks I don't want to see yeah maybe from 21 but I wasn't 21 and so it just isn't the way that I wanted to be or ever want to be again on a date just this sloppy drunk woman making out with a guy that I met a couple hours before in the middle of everything. I mean, there's people all around us. <laughs> there's right. And so it just, it doesn't feel good for me to look back on it. And I much more enjoy situations where I'm present and I wasn't present. And the reason why I wasn't present is because I was too nervous to be. Do you think that he was drinking because he was nervous? Oh, yeah. Dates are scary. It's so natural to be totally nervous, which is why I understand having a glass of wine and kind of loosening up. It makes total sense for me because my chemistry and my relationship with alcohol was one glass of wine usually led to too many glasses of wine. I had trouble stopping there. So then I would go to this place where I was really, really drunk. So let's delve further into the date. You and Brian are at the bar, and you're drinking, and you're making out, mm -hmm. and are you at all aware of what's going on around you, and is he aware of what's going on around him? I don't think either of us really cared. Yeah, we were just having fun, and we were kind of in this bubble. I think what got a little bit weird was we stayed there for a long time, and boy, probably closed the thing down, I think. And it got really late. And he lived in a town over, and he had taken public transportation to get there. And it was so late when we got out that he couldn't 
you know, he would have to take a really expensive cab ride that he couldn't take that public transportation to get back. And so we're standing out there on the street and the date's over. And he says, it's too late for me to take this public transportation. Can't I spend the night? Can't I spend the night? Yes. Were you attracted to him? Yeah, I totally was. However, I wasn't ready for him to spend the night. Right. You know, ready for, ready to make out at the bar. Not quite ready to have him in my home, in my bed, to spend the night. Wasn't wasn't there yet. I get that. I wasn't ready, and that wouldn't have been my choice. I was tired. We'd had fun. We had been together for hours. I was ready to go home and marinate on it and, you know, talk to him at another time. But I felt uh, guilty. I felt like, uh, well, I don't want him to be stuck. And in hindsight, I think about, I could have said, well, you're going to need to take a cab, you know. But I said, oh, okay, you can spend the night. Why'd you feel guilty? I don't know. It was, it's some of the things I've worked on, a very kind of codependent, people-pleasing nature uh, is my default. And so I wanted to help him and not, and also not be mean. It seemed mean to say no. Did you feel guilty also because you had kept him out so late on this date? Because it was something the two of you had done together. Yeah, maybe I also felt like, uh, did I lead him on? You know, I've been with him all this time. Yeah, I didn't want to make him mad. I don't live like that anymore. But at the time, I really did. I didn't want to be considered a bitch. And looking back, I fully had the right to make a choice and say, I'm not ready to have you in my home. But I didn't do that. You know, I, I said, okay, very reluctantly. And so then he came back to my, he did, he came back to my home. Did you drive him there? My place was closer and then we took a cab. Good choice. Yes. I, I was hoping you were going to say that. <laughs> of course. I didn't drive there. I knew I'd be drinking. No wise, wise, wise. <laughs> when you got home and you walked in, how were you feeling? Awkward. Yeah, I felt I felt awkward having them there. And I knew he wasn't a, he didn't feel like a creepy guy at all. He was a nice guy, 100%. I just still, and you know, going back to the breakup with the ex-boyfriend, that had a lot to do with it. I felt weird about having a new guy in my home. This was the first new guy in my home. So that was a big part of it too. I wasn't ready for that. But there he was. But there he was. (laughs) (laughs) And you know, it's the awkward kind of like, it was a small place and... You know, is he going to sleep in on the couch, in the bed? And he ended up sleeping in the bed with his clothes on, which is great because I didn't want to do anything beyond that. I remember, yeah, going to sleep, feeling awkward. Also in the bed with him? Yeah. Yeah. Right. You didn't direct him to the couch? No. Yeah. Still, still that kind of wanting to be uh, helpful and kind and accommodating to him rather than myself. But still just wanted to be, and it, it, I don't know, the thing that's popping into my head is cool girl, you know, and I'm putting the air quotes up, wanting to be cool, relaxed, uh, accommodating girl. And that never worked for me, you know. It's like, why do I need to accommodate his needs when I, I don't even accommodate my own? And really, did I even really fully know what my needs were? I don't know. Probably not. With him laying there next to you, were you able to sleep or were you kind of... I was anxious. I think I probably slept a little, but not that much. Did he pass Uh, out? Yeah. I mean, we both did eventually. I remember he had his white t-shirt on and I remember kind of like laying on his shoulder. Maybe I was getting a little bit of comfort or cuddle time in there, 
and using the situation for that. But I'm really with a complete stranger and it's very fleeting. And then I wake up and here's this guy that I didn't really want to be there in the bed wishing it was my ex-boyfriend. There's two things going on. It's, it's that I'm not ready to date and we took it too far on this date. It was, it was too much. It was too much booze. It was too many hours. It was too drunk. It was too everything. Maybe if the both of us could have taken it slow, not gotten so drunk, who knows? Maybe I could have dated him. Maybe it would have gone differently. What did happen when you woke up and he woke up? We awkwardly got dressed. I had to go to work. And I felt weird about the whole thing. And this was another pattern of mine, this sort of deep dive in with somebody. And then I would usually either go either way with it. I could go one way and say, oh my gosh, I think that this is the greatest guy and I'm so into him and let's just keep hanging out. Or I would completely freak out. And that's the route I went with this guy. What was the goodbye like in the morning? He ended up taking a cab to public transportation because I had to go to work the other way. And yeah, it was an awkward hug. And he said that he would call me, but I felt overall just weird about the whole thing. How did you handle it when he did call you? I expressed to him that I thought we kind of blew it with everything going so much and so fast and that I felt uh, a little freaked out by it. And I wish I hadn't used that terminology because he took offense to that. And I didn't mean freaked out by him. I just meant by the whole situation. And he was a bit mad at me. But when I look back on it, I think he was a really nice guy. He wasn't an evil person or a jerk. And I've thought about him since then, and I wonder where he ended up. I also think that when I, when I look back on it, timing was such a huge thing. And as I get older, I also realize how important timing is. We hear that, that term, timing is everything. And to me, that's always seemed like a bit much. Is it everything? Well, now I look at it, it's a lot. Are you truly ready to come together and get to know each other and develop something? Because there are so many factors involved with where you're at. Are you over the other person? Are you in between jobs? Are you about to move to another city? There are so many things happening that can affect the timing and affect whether or not somebody can actually commit. So I do think it's very important and I don't I certainly don't think the timing was, was good for the two of us at that time. I couldn't agree more with your statement about how important timing is yeah. and how it can really either propel you into a relationship or keep you from starting one. Do you have any advice for our listeners coming out of this date uh, that you'd like to share? Uh, a suggestion is when you are dating, despite the fact that we get really nervous, most people, and it is an anxious situation, is just to try your best to be there as much as you can and be in your body. Am I in my head thinking about what he thinks of me, thinking about if I have food in my teeth, all of these <laughs> things, you know, that go through our head 
rather than simply listening to him. Do I like what he's saying? Are we having an easy conversation and exchange of information? Or is it really hard? Or is is he just doing all the talking and I'm I'm asking all the questions and he's not asking me any questions? I mean, that's a big one for me because I am a communicator for a living. <laughs> and so it's something that I really look at, that reciprocal communication and wanting to know that other person. But it's just really about being in the room with that person. So I know that when I'm thinking about the food in my teeth or these silly other things, I'm really not in my body and I'm not with him. Doing our best to be present is really important because then we can assess, is this a connection? Is this somebody I might want to see again? And also, I think it's important to try to, yeah, not drink too much. It's just, it's not, it's not going to work. Nobody's getting to know anybody. It's not serving yourself well to look to alcohol to get yourself comfortable in the place that you are with this person. Yeah. Nothing wrong with sipping, you're saying, but don't chug a lug. <laughs> well, right. And, and go to that crazy place. For myself, I was an unhealthy drinker, and so that's something that I had to look at and realize that it had to go, and that's not the case for everyone. This is such a question that I asked myself so many times. I wonder if he didn't call me back because I got too drunk and acted silly or said dumb things or slurred my speech and got sloppy. I wonder if that's why he didn't call me back. I remember one time my friend said to me, it is because you drank too much. You know, that's why they didn't call back. And I thought, oh, that's harsh. How do you know? But she's probably right on the majority of cases uh, when I wondered that. And so I didn't want to wonder that anymore and go home. And did I act too sloppy? There's enough to worry about with dating and the anxious feelings around that, that having that whole other layer, it just made it a thousand times worse. And have you found that when you allow yourself to be present that some of that anxiety will dissipate? Yes, and some of that anxiety has dissipated because I've gotten more comfortable in my skin through this process, so I'm not as anxious. I don't bring such an anxious person to the table, and I also realize that while I thought that the alcohol in particular was making me more loose and relaxed, it was actually, in the end, causing more anxiety it made me more anxious. It made me more deep in my head and all of my thoughts about myself and freaking out about every little thing. So it really, it wasn't only clouding me, but it was making me more nervous. I'm so much less anxious just in general with meeting people. So it's great. I'm so grateful. <laughs> it's so much easier this way. Congratulations. Thank you. And thank you. Thank you for sharing so many of your personal learnings from this journey you've been on and for giving our listeners such really sage advice. Thank you. I know the process is different for everybody and everybody's going through something, the highs and lows of dating. It looks different for everybody, but I know we at least have these similarities and that, you know, we're all terrified and we should be commended for even putting ourselves out there at all. But it's worth it. It's absolutely worth it because as human beings, we want to connect. It's just part of the deal. And it's, it's, that's, a, to me, the most beautiful part of living is to connect with others. I will never quit. I haven't met Mr. Right, but I've realized that he's not going to be perfect and I'm not perfect. And I look forward to bringing our imperfections to the table together. I know that there is a great person out there for me 
that's looking for someone like me just as much as I'm looking for someone like him. I know what you're saying is true. And I thank I you for connecting with me and connecting with our listeners and being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you have your own take on this story, head on over to firststatestories.com and leave a comment. While you're there, check out the articles about celebrating singledom and dating in midlife. First Date Stories provides inspiration, camaraderie, and support for single, divorced, and widowed women in their late 30s, 40s, 50s, and beyond. While you're on the website, you can also tell us about a memorable first date that you've been on by popping on over to the share section of our site. We are always up for a good story, and we may invite you to be a guest on a future show. We also have a bi-weekly newsletter. If you haven't subscribed to this podcast, you'll find us at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest. And now for a quick run-through of the legalese. This podcast is for general information and entertainment purposes only and is not intended as professional advice for our listeners. We suggest that you always consult with your own personal coaches and advisors. First Aid Stories does not recommend or endorse or object to the views or topics expressed on this podcast. Also, the names of the guests are changed for privacy purposes. This podcast is produced and edited by Kim Poletti and Lisa Gray of Sound Mind Productions and is brought to you by Espoir Ventures. First Aid Stories is here to help you be your best you, to cheer you on, and to keep you going on first dates because beyond your next first date may be the long-term love you're seeking.